God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, it's Cyber Monday, so go out and get those deals. Uh, I actually managed to get a really good deal over the weekend uh, on a set of head, uh, headset earbuds. But and one thing I didn't know is uh, something about these lightning deals. It's pretty good stuff if you could find them. My goodness, they take uh, they take you get major discounts. So Cyber Monday, I remember when Cyber Monday was a new concept, uh, but no longer. It's uh, become the, the main shop day really uh i don't know many people that actually go out to the, the big stores anymore especially i guess now with this pandemic uh people are less likely to be packed in a store with strangers plus with the masks people are less likely to be encountering one another uh which is sad really you know it's uh takes away from the whole experience and then the other part is people are less likely to be social. Uh, they're um, divided now. We have a divided America. Well, we have people wearing masks. Uh, we have these risks that are told to us by really unknown people with ulterior motives. And it seems like the driving force to the doom and gloom is really people among the left. It uh, doesn't seem to be the case with conservatives nearly as much as uh, people among the left, and you wonder why that is. Why are they trying to fear? Why are they trying to scare you? This new uh, variant—they make these names up. Where do they get these names? I remember when they were pushing the green. They were they were pushing uh, climate change. There still are, obviously, but. They're going to double down. They're going to, you know, shotgun approach to control, government control over your life. And so long as they can control you, then you become the, you know, the piece of bacteria in the Petri dish. 
But I remember uh, it was so cold. And I was like, okay, what are they going to say now that it's freezing cold? We're having like one of the coldest winters on record. Not to, not this year. It was maybe about seven, eight years ago. And all of a sudden they're like, a polar vortex. And it's like, it's the polar vortex that's causing the El Nino weather pattern that's causing the cold weather that's a result of climate change. It's like they can't lose because they got all the scientists in their pockets. And the scientists that that would say otherwise, guess what? They're not funded. They don't get, and even if they were funded, they don't get the press. They're censored. So, you know, one of the things that's uh, really taken place over the last many decades is that we, we at some point didn't realize how much we've been censored until we, until we saw it, the veil come off. And I owe a debt of gratitude to Donald Trump for exposing that. You know, basically it was like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, there he is right behind the curtain. You know, the man behind the curtain. Who's all that business where you see him pulling levers. You know, and you, you know, so the mask has come off. The veil has come off. But they're running out of cards. They're running out of bullets. They're running out of ammo. When they do and they lose, they're going to lose big. Because there's so much crime that's been exposed that I don't think uh, they're ever going to recover from this. The main thing we have to do is win 2022, and we have to win it by getting rid of the rigged machines. And I'd say if anything should happen, it should be that, getting rid of those rigged machines. Otherwise, you could have all the greatest candidates, all the best policies, blah, blah, blah. It's just... <clears throat> pie in the sky nonsense if you can't if you if you do not have straight elections you know i was talking to a friend over the weekend who takes spanish lessons in uh with uh some people in venezuela she loves she she wants to learn the language better and um she's been working with this couple in venezuela and What's sad about it is that these people who hate Maduro, um, but they're probably radically liberal because this person I'm referring to is radically left wing. But still, nevertheless, even these radically left people are like, okay, enough's enough. Maduro's bad. But they were probably some of the people that voted on different things. They didn't like the conservative values of that they could have had once upon a time. And now it's too late. So they're screwed. And they have power whenever it's available. Uh, and, and it's really bad conditions in Venezuela. And, and the situation there is they don't like Maduro. But now they don't have a choice. And it doesn't even matter because if these radically left people, these left-wing liberals don't like Maduro, then who does? It certainly isn't the uh, conservatives in Venezuela that like Maduro. 
But they don't have a choice. And I said to the person who's radically left, who's a friend of mine, and I said, well, so long as they have the rigged elections, it doesn't matter what they think. It's not an issue of policy or debate anymore. It's just tyranny, complete tyranny. And of course, that's what this is all about. You know, I was thinking about this Omicron, Omicron, uh, new variant that comes out of South Africa. And I thought, and I heard this number where they said only about 26% of the South Africans are fully vaccinated. 26%. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. What if it's the case that they decide to come out with one variant after another and say, and then when they want to talk about where it's spreading, they might talk about, Oh, it's spreading in this area. It's spreading in that area. It's spreading big in this area and that area. And what if those areas, if you do the math and you figure out, oh, they have low vaccination rates too. So not only would they be trying to say, oh, the unvaccinated are prone to getting this virus, so you should get vaccinated. But what if it's the case where they're just targeting and making this stuff up? What if it's the case where they're basically trying to get that number to 70%, like I said, a thousand times before? That they're constantly trying to get that number up to 70%, the magic number. And of course, we know, if you've listened to the Scott Adams show, you know that that is the magic number. That's the number that they've always talked about. I believe that's the number that the corporate corporations, the woke corporations, whether it's Nike or whether it's Best Buy or whether it's a restaurant chain or you name it. But it's the magic number they need because if it's 50-50, they can't afford to lose the money that's involved. They cannot afford to lose that market share because you know, they may have sold out to gain access to Chinese goods or Chinese manufacturing or Chinese services or domestic services imported by open borders or refugees. You know, whether it's a dishwasher, a gig economy, a car delivery driver, car driver, or someone who works in a, a slaughterhouse, meat packing plant, or works in agriculture and works on the farm in hot sweat hot heat exposed to the elements, whether they work a jackhammer all day or uh, help build a deck on the back of your house. Regardless of whatever it is they want to do, that access to those resources that are so profitable for the corporations that have become woke, you now know That's more than likely the reason why they were woke in the first place is because of the money they're going to save on the slave labor that they will access, whether it's the imports of Chinese labor or the uh, domestic imports uh, as a a result of open borders and refugee programs. And to think about it, too, it comes at the expense of what? All the loss of life in Afghanistan and the turmoil and chaos. Because it was Biden's uh, crew 
that destroyed the the uh, plan to exit Afghanistan and allow it to be uh, wreak havoc and and become a a refugee crisis, just like the same players that did the same crap in Syria, they pulled the same stunt in Syria and they made it a catastrophe, all the while blaming Russia. And I bring this up, whether it's the fake news press that we may not have been aware of once upon a time, or constantly blaming Russia for Syria's problems or Afghanistan's problems or whatever. But we're blaming Russia all the time. Russia's the scapegoat of all scapegoats. And Russia just sits back and allows it to happen. I don't know why. Because they're they're basically, they have the facts, they have the goods, and they already know that they could fix it if they want. But why fix it when you can use it as leverage? Why fix it when you can use it as leverage? They know what's going on around the world. Putin's not stupid. They know they got an America divided. They got the weakest America we've ever seen. They got a guy that doesn't want to strengthen our military and would rather focus on critical race theory. He has generals that are more concerned about critical race theory and what flag they're going to hang at the top of their State Department embassies across the world, whether it's a Black Lives Matter flag this week or a Rainbow Coalition flag uh, next week. Somehow, being woke is the most important thing. You know, are we going to finance and fund and how are we going to afford it uh, for... uh, you know, transgender uh, operations, sex change, mutilization operations. Those should be free for those people. This way we can recruit a whole bunch of losers who don't even know what sex they are. Talk about confusion. Confusion. Chinese love it. Meanwhile, they're just forging ahead, getting rich off of the Biden family, which we're now realizing is worse than ever. And nobody wants to talk about it. The media certainly doesn't want to talk about it. They censored it. This whole thing with the Bidens, there's a new article out uh, from the New York Post who's been all over this. And so we have a lot of different things that are going on. Today I want to cover a couple of different articles and I kind of queued it up. You may, you're probably not aware yet, but you'll be aware soon about what I queued up just now, about the fake news that's been going on for forever, the, in, the inclusion of using Russia as a scapegoat, something we never would have been able to do in the old days. When, we, when the Democrats planted these ruses, they didn't have the courage to blame Russia because at the time, the world was not global. Like when you go all the way back to Watergate, all the way back to the days of Watergate, and you had the hoax, the Watergate hoax, to impeach a president, to get a president pushed out of office, a president that won in a landslide, Nixon, against McGovern. Somehow he must have been, he must be removed. He wasn't part of the deep state, he wasn't part of the globalists. He was pro-American. 
And they needed to get rid of Nixon. And they tried their best. But they didn't dare bring Russia into it because they, that would have never worked. But as I've been saying, and I've been talking about this for a long time, I've been talking about this for a long time, and that is the comparisons between the Russian hoax and the Watergate. And we have another article that's going to get into knee-deep, the Hunter Biden uh, getting a three-carat gem uh, offer of $30 million by Chinese people that just wanted access to Joe Biden. So this is the kind of thing that they were trying to get. You better believe they paid handsomely after Trump had them sign the dotted line on phase one, phase two trade deal. They got out of all that with this COVID virus that now allows all the globalists to control the world. And anytime they want a new virus, they just make it up. Omicron. That's the new one. Omicron. Not too serious, but ah, it could spread anywhere. It's, it could be bad. It, we don't know. Dr. Fauci doesn't know anything still. Yet he wants to actually blame Ted Cruz for J6. We're going to play a couple of those clips as well today. Oh, man, it's crazy what's going on in America right under our noses. And people on the left don't even have one ounce of skepticism. Not one ounce of brain, brain, they're brainless, mindless zombies. They have one one ounce of skepticism. Just question it a little bit. At least even ask your media outlet to just have an honest debate about the the, the topic. But no, they all they want to do is be told a narrative that makes them feel warm and fuzzy. So, you know, where Leonora uh, does a lot of work over at the American Spectator, they came out with this new article, and I thought, oh, my God. They kind of like, you know, they stole my uh, thunder because I was one of the few people that drew a comparison between the Russian hoax and the Chinese, I'm sorry, and Watergate. And I was inspired so much by it, I literally watched all the president's men one more time. And I can't even look at it with the same uh, lens anymore. I stopped uh, looking at it from a lens that was so inspiring. But when you think about what water, what all the president's men did for a generation of people that wanted to get into the journalism business, they wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein. At the time, we were so innocent as a country. We didn't even know that the three outlets were liberally biased. But here, here's the story. Uh, and I encourage you to read this. I posted it up on my social media. And it says, everything you think you know about Watergate may be wrong. Jeff Shepard does heroic work in his new book, The Nixon Conspiracy, Watergate, and the Plot to Remove the President. And this was written up by a guy named Francis Sempa. Or no, maybe it's a girl. I, I, I don't know. But uh, written up by a writer named Francis Sempa. <clears throat> and it goes like this. During the past five years, 
we witnessed high-level FBI targeting of candidate Donald Trump based on unreliable dossier produced based on an unreliable dossier produced by Trump's political enemies that resulted in FISA warrants being issued by federal judges to allow surveillance of Trump allies during the uh, uh, during and after the 2016 presidential election campaign and election a special prosecutor's office staffed largely with President Trump's political opponents pursuing those same unreliable accusations of Trump-Russia collusion Democratic-controlled congressional investigations of President Trump that resulted in two partisan impeachments of the president and national media outlets the proudly uh, and national media outlets see that proudly wear their hatred of Trump on their sleeves, promoting efforts to remove Trump from office. According to another and former Nixon Deputy White House Counsel, Jeff Shepard, now Jeff Shepard's the guy that wrote the book, we have been here before. It all happened during Watergate. So he's basically stealing my thunder here because I've been talking about this for at least six months to a year. And it says the long accepted conventional truths about Watergate are as follows. Now listen, Richard Nixon was the chief villain having authorized a cover-up of the break-in at the office of the Democratic National Committee. John Dean, huh, John Dean, who we saw on the news quite a bit. So John Dean of the White House Counsel's office was one of the heroes who courageously worked with government prosecutors and agents to produce evidence of the White House criminality, the special prosecutor's office's staff and staff, followed the evidence and the law to seek justice. Chief, Just, Chief Judge John Sirica presided fairly and impartially over the criminal cases and the nation's press, especially Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein and the Washington Post spoke the truth of, to power to help uncover a scandal that reached into the Oval Office and thereby saved our constitutional republic. That was the narrative back then. <clears throat> So the writer, Jeff Shepard, tries to dispel this and says he worked as a young lawyer in the Nixon White House, devoted more than a decade of research in the details of Watergate. In 2015, Shepard's book, The Real Watergate Scandal, revealed that he called evidence of collusion between the special prosecutor's office, staffed primarily with longtime Nixon political enemies, many from the John F. Kennedy Justice Department, the judge and Judge Sirica, including a number of ethically questionable ex parte meetings about the criminal cases of the congressional investigations of the White House. Now Shepard has produced a second more damning book, The Nixon Conspiracy, Watergate, and the Plot to Remove the President. It is billed as a shocking expose of corrupt collusion between prosecutors, judges, and congressional staff to undo Nixon's historic 1972 election. And it's based in part on recently unearthed internal documents, notes, and memos by Watergate special prosecutors. Shepard's conclusion is that Nixon was innocent. The special prosecutors of Judge Surica abused their powers and the nation's National Press Corps, 
whose hatred of Nixon dated back to the Alger Hiss case worked relentlessly to bring down a popular president. Shepard explained his journey from initially believing that Nixon was guilty based on the so-called smoking gun tape to his subsequent painstakingly relentless search for the truth in a nine-part series of interviews he did with Hugh Hewitt at the Nixon Library last year. So the Woodward uh, Bernstein version of Watergate, which was embellished in the movie All the President's Men, first suffered cracks in its intellectual edifice when author Jim Hogan wrote Secret Agenda in 1984. That was followed in 1991 by Silent Coup, the removal of a president by uh, Len Kolodny and Robert Gatlin. Both books suggested partisan and institutional deep state motives for the plot to bring down the Nixon. Now, this goes on, and uh, what I've been saying all along, it says here, in the interviews with Hugh Hewitt, Shepard suggests that had there been an alternative media in 1973 and 74, like Fox News or talk radio, etc., Nixon may have survived, but back then the American people mostly had to rely on ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, Washington Post, and New York Times, all institutions that helped drive Nixon from office. Paul Johnson called Watergate a media push. And those same media institutions have never hidden their dislike and disdain for Donald Trump. The difference was that Trump had media support that questioned and ultimately exposed the false Trump-Russia collusion narrative. Like us, like us, for example, like the Scott Adams show or, you know, talk, talk radio in general. But here's the deal. The deal is, and what I've been saying all along, and my take was just my own, my own research. I, I hadn't even heard of this guy. <clears throat> and I basically say that, you know, the person who financed the Russian hoax was the same person that was on the Watergate committee and got fired, though, but that was uh, Hillary Clinton. She understood the play. She understood the lopsided and one-sided discussion. And they didn't dare blame Russia. And that was sort of uh, the new twist in today's Russia hoax. They didn't dare do that. That was a domestic home-brewed operation. And I don't think, you know, a real good burglar back then could have gotten busted. Just all they wanted to do was bug an office. I don't think that was that hard to do. They met left a lot of rookie mistakes. And, you know, their job careers were like anti-communist or uh, whatever they were calling themselves. They connected with the CIA. And we know that the Bushes themselves were also connected with the CIA. And the Bushes were part of the deep state and the New World Order way of thinking. Uh, and not part of the Nixon uh, way of thinking. So Bushes were uh, rising to power. They were in power. They were political players. And so when you have people on the right, that did, like John Dean, who were embedded into the uh, White House, 
and they're they're basically we see the color. See, we have the truth. We have the uh, we have the benefit of hindsight, and we know that Bob Woodward. And by the way, uh, President Trump over the weekend wrote a wrote a, wrote a scathing um, piece about. Uh, I think it was Bob Woodward, but um, in any case. Well, let's let's just go ahead and see if we can get that. Um, the piece that he he wrote uh, was kind of interesting. I'm going to ch- see if I can get that. I don't have that queued up, but it's interesting uh, when you think about how right Trump has been. Trump said one thing I learned about Watergate is the cover up could be worse than the crime. That's exactly what they're trying to do: get him to cover up. That's exactly what happened to Nixon. So that's what he said. He said he learned about that and he wasn't going to make that same mistake. Now, fast forward though, and over the weekend I got a call from a radio show host that's uh, not directly connected with what we're doing, but um, they said, have you heard anything about what's going on with Sidney Powell and Linwood and Patrick Byrne and all these other, you know, players of the so-called patriot movement. And I said, no. He said, yeah, you got to go to Telegram. You got to check this out. I said, yeah, I've already made my point of view clear on that. Uh, I think that the whole thing is just a bunch of sellouts and a ruse, a bunch of media whores that have uh, gotten what they've gotten. And... uh it's pretty sad that what they've done is they've exploited the people that love them the most and people that listen to this show fell for them, believed in them and fell for them hook, line and sinker. And they didn't mean ill will to believe in whether it's Patrick Byrne or, uh, Sidney Powell or Linwood, you know, they were just looking for, justice because we know that a crime was committed there's no doubt about that a crime was committed folks and how they could get away with it and i think three times they've gotten away with it i think election fraud existed on behalf and to benefit hillary clinton i think this is all the doing of uh eight years of obama you have uh this kind of third world mentality that obama brings to the table and I think that you have this kind of thuggery and this kind of Chicago-style politics that the Obama legacy left behind. Endless amounts of corruption, weaponizing of the government against its own people, trashing the Constitution and its founding fathers, stoking the flames of division, whether it be with race or police law enforcement, or even our own history, critical race theory, and all these other ingredients. These were the makings and doings of a radical, tyrannical, uh, third-world mental patient named Barack Obama. I mean, you might as well stick a bone in his lip and send him back to Africa because the guy has the mentality of an Ilhan Omar, for that matter someone who believes in Sharia law and Somalian way of doing things. 
I mean, they're absolute criminals. They're thugs, they're warlords, they're tribe, tribal. And they will punish you if you disagree with them or see, see things differently than the way they see them. You will be punished. And that is exactly the kind of mean-spirited behavior that we see in the Biden administration and elsewhere. We see this carry on. And they couldn't handle four more years of Donald Trump, even though he was the most popular president we've ever seen. And just like they couldn't handle that, they can handle four more years of Nixon, who won in a landslide despite all the bad press associated with the Watergate. So this was a coup against Nixon. It's a coup against Trump. It's very much the same thing, where it was a Democrat operation. I believe that Watergate was a Democrat-funded and conspired operation that played on the stupidity of certain Republicans to get involved with some shenanigans that required a cover-up. And at some point, there may have even been a cover-up. And uh, and that would have been Nixon's big wrongdoing. But did Nixon commit any of the crimes other than maybe deleting some tape or something like that? In some regard, you could say that Nixon was one of the most transparent presidents we've seen ever. And the reason why I say that is he installed the new tape system at the time. No other person, no other president was willing to do that. Tape the conversations for the archives. So it's it's actually um, quite interesting when you think about that. But that's the setup that they were playing. And Donald Trump was too smart to bite on that. But he was still outgunned because everybody in his inner circle was still a swamp creature. You take someone like Mike Pence for the, for crying out loud. Where's the gratitude? Mike Pence turned his back on America. He should have pushed for the states to resend their certifications on those states that were contested, like in Arizona and in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia. In those states where wrongdoing was obvious, where Giuliani and uh, uh, and company and his team, um, I think, did fine work in proving their points. And I think that that should have been further investigated before things were seated. But Pence didn't do that. And then Pence just recently announced that he will support every governor that was responsible for the cover-up and not really doing due diligence. For all those Republican governors that stabbed President Trump in the back that will be going against Trump-supported candidates, Pence said he's going to have their back and support the rhinos like Ducey in Arizona or Kemp in Georgia and all these different so-called Republicans in name only that are running those states into the ground. So we'll see what happens. But I would rather uh, hang on, hang tight onto Trump's coattails than 
on Pence's coattails. And that being said, you know, there's all this infighting, and what I've been calling it is a bunch of infiltrators, most of them lifelong Democrats, whether it's General Flynn, a lifelong Democrat, or Lynn Wood, a lifelong Democrat, telling you not to vote, or Sidney Powell writing um, glowing appraisals of Emmett Sullivan, a judge that continued the uh, Flynn case for infinitum so that it tied up President Trump's hands from getting to the bottom and exposing the truth. And, you know, you got to question whether why Flynn hired Eric Holder's law firm in the first place, Covington and Burling. You got to question why Flynn found himself alone in a room with two rogue FBI agents that set him up. Was it a setup or was it by design? Was he the next John Dean for the Russian hoax? Was he the John Dean who had a perfectly good call with Kislyak? Did nothing wrong, but was he the John Dean? He's out there now talking about obvious things, things that aren't even, aren't even, um, you know, the things we talked about a long time ago. Let's take a listen to what Flynn has to say uh, about, you know, uh, the global elites. So things I, we've been I talking about we're for gonna see years now. A couple of things. I think we're going to see, uh, and I call it a controlled depression, but some type of financial you know, you know, just just, just a manipulation or or a or or a financial collapse. And I don't want, so, yeah, that's so that's a that's a that's a separate thing. So so we're going to have, I think, some type of controlled depression. I mean, we're already at six percent inflation to, for us to go to 10 percent. I don't think these people have any problems. We're going to get there. there. So that's number one. I think number two, we're, we're going to see an uptick in in um, in other aspects of the covid okay so there you know we got the various variants there might even be another form of a sars that's imposed on the international system right you know the international because because their their little plan with covid didn't work because too many people you know the the world of of the what i call the digital warriors or the or the uh, the, the citizen journalists that are out there they are fighting for the truth and so the truth has been exposed about all the COVID tyranny that we are facing. So I think what we're going to see is potentially another type of virus that's that's imposed on the public. And I, I hope that that's not the case, but I've seen some indications of that and some of the... See, you've seen some indication. What indication? What have you seen? It's sort of like even Mike Lindell, uh, I think, making a fool and a mockery out of things. You know, he's sort of like played the whole media thing out to a hilt. You can't go to frankspeech.com or anywhere without seeing Mike in his blue shirt selling his pillows. And, you know, it's it's sort of, uh, you know, where all the patriots that have carried his water and tried to help him sell his pillows and things. And, uh, you know, that's all great, but I think he's kind of thrown a lot of people under the bus. And not only that, but the symposium didn't result in anything. And, and neither... Name, name me, and just think about this for a moment, whether it's Sidney Powell or Lynn Wood or Patrick Byrne or, or Mike Flynn or uh, Mike Lindell, what have they actually done? What achievement have they actually made with regard to overturning an election result? You know, if that's their agenda, if that's their... Lynn Wood managed to, I think he did cost Georgia 
a senator or two by telling people not to vote. I think that's highly discouraging. You know, and now there's this all this fighting back and forth. Karen Piper writes, Lynn Wood released a petty damning phone record <clears throat> recording with Patrick Byrne. Byrne thinks Sidney Powell stole around $30 million from America's donating Americans donating to the, the audit. He also said Powell tried to bed him, which is like ridiculous. I mean, to hear that, uh, whether it's true or not, I don't know, and I don't really care. But they all hate each other now. And so what I'm saying is this is an embarrassment to the conservative movement. You know, and then there's this hard to distinguish a retort from Patrick Byrne to Lynn Wood. And so a friend of mine calls me over the weekend and says, you got to check this out on Telegram. I was like, I've already made myself clear. You know, J6 was a disaster, thanks to Alex Jones, who was sitting there with Mike Flynn and Patrick Byrne. And at the time, you know, I know some radio show hosts that basically said they sold out and they admitted selling out. But the media attention and the numbers of listeners that they gained and consequently the dollars that were being funneled out to them through cryptocurrency was too great. And they took advantage of the opportunity. And I can name names because I had these conversations with people I know, people you know, and I'm not going to say their names. But I'm going to tell you that it's disgusting to me knowing what I know and I can't even say anything for a lot of reasons. But I can tell you that my information comes from first-hand knowledge of what was going on. And it's absolutely disgusting. I would never do it myself. That's that level of that sellout mentality. I don't do this. I don't do this for that. I have other ways that I can make money and be successful financially. I don't need to do that. But some people do, and it's disgusting. It's absolutely hard. And I just think someone needs to ask themselves what actually good has happened from all of this money and all this, you know, drum beating, whether it's Ali Alexander sitting up there with Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and, and uh, Mike, Mike uh, uh, Flynn and all these people, Alex Jones getting involved, Patrick Byrne, the money guy. They were in Georgia. They were at the Jericho March and they were at J6. And every one of those events was basically a bunch of whores whoring for media attention, trying to get the top notch on the stage. And in two of those events, the one, two in uh, Washington, D.C., I live in D.C., I broadcast out of D.C., our station's out of D.C., I uh, easily could have gone. I chose not to because I knew what was going on. 
I could easily have gotten Patrick Byrne or Mike Flynn. I've had Mike Flynn on years ago. I, I have his number. But I could have easily gotten anybody I wanted on. Sydney Powell knows several people that know her personally, thinks she's a nice woman. But, you know, the thing is, I easily could have gotten any one of these people on my show. And I never did. And there's a reason why I never did. And just think about that. But it's not even about me. Over the weekend also, you know, you have this Omicron coming out. So everybody wants to talk to Dr. Fauci again. And um, so we just covered, you know, the uh, Russian hoax as it compares to Watergate. And then we covered this infighting among these patriot favorites. Um, And I'm telling you, ask yourself what they've done for you lately while they fight with each other now about who's right, who's wrong, and who got the most, who made the most money and who gets the best media attention. I think it's disgraceful and it's an embarrassment and it's exactly what we are trying to avoid if we want to be taken seriously as, as a party, as a group of Trump supporters who want to win the next election. Because if you're discredited and you're looking like a bunch of Fruit Loops uh, it, and conspiracy nuts, it's never going to work. So you just make sure you're aware of all of that. So Ted Cruz got called out by Fauci over the weekend, and Rand Paul also weighed in. Let's take a listen to what Fauci had to say on Face the Nation CBS. Why do you feel so strongly uh, about that, about staying on the job when you become, I mean, you were personally, not just rhetorically, threatened your security, your safety, your family. How did you deal with that? I dealt with it by focusing on what my job is. From the time that I went into medicine to the right now where I am at my age, my job has been totally focused on doing what I can with the talents and the influence I have to make scientific advances to protect the health of the American public. So anybody who spends lies and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the Rand Pauls and all that other nonsense, that's noise, Margaret. That's noise. I know what my job is. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. I have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? Do you think that that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. It seems another layer of danger to play politics around matters of life and death. Right, exactly, exactly. And to me, that's, that's unbelievably bad, because all I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science... Nobody's going to know what they're talking about. 
But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. Why so do you feel so strong? He's awfully full of himself there. He's calling himself science. If anything, Dr. Fauci should be fired for just being a failed scientist. Because the, the, nobody can agree that this was handled properly. The lockdowns didn't work. The masks didn't work. The vaccines don't work. Nothing works. And they just keep on coming with new variants. They don't even know what's coming next. Everything is a surprise. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Talk about 50 years of science, and this is the best you got? If anything, I would like to get a new scientist to figure this out. Scott Scott Atlas comes to mind, uh, who makes a lot more sense than Dr. Fauci. Fauci is doom and gloom, can't give a prognosis or prediction no matter what. And so Senator Rand Paul wrote this. He said, the absolute hubris of someone claiming they represent science. It's astounding and alarming that a public health bureaucrat would even think to claim such a thing, especially one who has worked so hard to ignore the science of natural immunity. So, I mean, Rand Paul is just flipped out, upset about this. Where do you get the cojones to basically call yourself, you know, Mr. Scientist when you failed so much? It's absolute, utter failure. Ted Cruz writes, because he's the one that was really called out. And in my opinion, like, what, what does J6 have to do with anything related to the pandemic? But Ted Cruz writes, Fauci is an unelected technocrat who has distorted science and facts in order to exercise authoritarian control over millions of Americans. He lives in a liberal world where his smug, I represent science attitude is praised. Here are the facts. And he goes into this threaded tweet, Ted Cruz writes, On May 11th, Fauci testified before a Senate committee that the NIH has not even, has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Virology. He's always supporting, he's on record supporting this. We've seen how this works out, right? It doesn't work out. Once this thing leaks, it's bad news. On October 20th, NIH wrote, they funded an experiment at the Wuhan lab testing if spike proteins from naturally occurring bat coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in the mouse model. That is gain-of-function research. Number three, Fauci writes, I mean, Ted Cruz writes in response to Fauci. Fauci's statement and the NIH's October 20 letter cannot both be true. The statements are directly contradictory. 
Number four, 18 U.S.C. 1001 makes it felony punishable by up to five years in prison to lie to Congress. Ted Cruz says no amount of ad hominem insults parroting Democrat talking points will get Fauci out of this contradiction. Fauci either needs to address the substance in detail with specific factual corroboration or DOJ, good luck waiting for that, DOJ should consider prosecuting him for making false statements to Congress. Well, we have two standards of justice, so that's never going to happen. Jeffrey Miller writes, Fauci's narcissism, overconfidence, authoritarian, and hubris are an embarrassment to real working scientists who tend to value teamwork and humility. Well, let me just say one thing. I think he gets all of that overconfidence, authoritarian, and hubris. I think he gets it all because I think he's protected by the military and the CIA. I think that he was commissioned in a clandestine way, in a very top secretive way. He was commissioned to work on a bioweapon for uh, perhaps a host of reasons. Maybe some reasons that were influenced by Bill Gates, population control and density. It could be for, uh, you know, other kinds of weapon weaponry. But it would not be the first time that a scientist has worked secretively on a weapon, whether it's the atomic bomb or a bioweapon or a chemical weapon. And I, it just seems to me that his overconfidence lends itself to that theory. Before we uh, head out of town, and we are about to run out of time, uh, more New York Post, I posted this up on my social media, says, more money than God, Chinese titan lavished Hunter Biden with three-carat gem offer of $30 million. The Biden family offered their services to a huge Chinese government-linked energy consortium. And more. And they wouldn't have even known it if it wasn't for that laptop from hell, which he's never denied. And nobody's ever even asked Hunter, hey, were those, did you ever take pictures like that? Of course he did. Otherwise, he would have said, those pictures are all bogus. I've never taken a picture like that. But of course he did that. So that's, that's the sad truth about that. The Telegraph writes, with Kamala Harris looking unelectable, the Democrats are considering the nuclear option. Whispers in Washington suggest Joe Biden's camp has a plan to find a more popular replacement. So things aren't going good well in River City. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that all tomorrow. Uh, but for now, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org. And check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.